0: Pastor Xavier Reese says, salvation is God's free gift to you, and you're free to accept or reject it. God
1: has done everything necessary for your salvation by sending the Son to the earth for a set purpose. God has done everything for the forgiveness of your sins through that birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The day was prepared for the constant reminder of man's need of salvation. This is your reminder. You have to make a choice one way or the other.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most of us have a fond memory of the best Christmas gift they've ever been given. And whether it was something you asked for or not, it surely was received from a dear loved one. The simple truth is that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son, humbly born in a stable and laid in a manger, sent to save His people from their sins. But coming up, Pastor Xavier explains that receiving God's greatest gift of salvation has always been a choice he leaves up to us. Let's listen. The birth of Jesus Christ was the greatest day in
1: the history of mankind. For by it, the world was given the provisions for salvation by choice. God does not force you to go to heaven. He gives you an invitation to go to heaven. Whether Jesus was born in December or not is irrelevant. Most likely, he wasn't. December would have been too cold for the shepherds and the sheep to be out there. Probably October is more accurate. But it doesn't matter. You know, if you lose your birth certificate, it doesn't mean you haven't been born. Your birth certificate is irrelevant. Our American history gives testimony to the belief and celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's a great celebration, even in the midst of the commercialism of Santa Claus and everything, it never eclipsed Christ. He stands out. His message is very clear, very distinct by his faithful servants. It will never be silenced, ever. What I want to do is look at three important truths about the day Jesus Christ was born. First, the day was prepared for the salvation of man, very clearly. Secondly, we'll look at the day that was prepared for the fulfillment of prophecy, and thirdly, the day was prepared for reminding man of his need of salvation since his birth. Let's begin here with the day that it was prepared for salvation of man. Now, man was created after the image of God, as you know, but he fell from that image in Genesis. We are told that in Genesis chapter two, verse sixteen. Adam and Eve were told that they could eat of the tree of the garden and everything except what was in the midst of the garden. They were restricted from one tree, knowledge of good and evil, in verse 17. Just one. Isn't that the bent of man? You can have everything except for one thing, and you would say, what thing? (laughs) It shows the bent that we have towards rebellion of authority and self-centeredness. The serpent enticed the woman in chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, as you know. So the woman ate. She gave to her husband, Genesis 3, 6. And they fell. Sin entered in. So God confronted them. The woman confessed. The serpent beguiled me, deceived me. I did eat. Adam tried to justify himself as a woman you gave me. Now both of them had inherited sin nature. The consequence of Adam and Eve's sin was that they were cast out of the garden, and it gives two reasons in Genesis three twenty two through twenty four, and twenty two to keep man from eating from the tree of life in a fallen state and live eternally in that fallen state, and in twenty three and twenty four to guard the way of the tree of life until Jesus Christ came, and we would be able to partake of the tree of life at the cross. Eternal life. At first it would seem that God is cruel here to kick them out. But he's the most compassionate because he kicks them out so they don't partake and eat eternally in a fallen state. He's protecting them. You see? Now the day was declared to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15. You're familiar with the prophecy. The seed of the woman is mentioned there. The seed of the woman refers to a time when a woman would bear a child without the aid of a man. The woman carries the egg, not the seed. And that seed of the woman, that child to be born of a virgin without the aid of a man, would be bruised by the seed of the serpent when the heal a temporary wound at the cross. But the seed of the woman, the Messiah, would crush literally the head of the serpent. A fatal wound. Crushing his authority. And Jesus did that at the cross. And it was affirmed and confirmed the resurrection. Adam and Eve understood the prophecy clearly that it was for the redemption of their fall. Their first son came means acquired. They named them that believing he might be the one. So sinful man was always to be looking for the promise of that prophecy. The day was known through the prophets. Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin should conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew confirms this as the birth of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel means God with us. Micah 5:2 speaks of the place of his birth. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from of old, from everlasting. Literally, from the vanishing point. Because he's eternal. Paul the Apostle told the Galatians, Galatians 4.4, 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son made of a woman under the law, right on time. The perfect time when Rome would be the world be a time of peace. Roads could be traveled. One language, Greek. And the gospel spread throughout the known world. John tells us that at a certain point in time, God took a human body and fulfilled the prophecies that he had declared. John 1.1 1:1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word, or the Word was God, literally. And verse 14 says, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. God became man, the last Adam, without sin, to redeem mankind. And so it is very clear that God fulfilled his promise, all the prophecies regarding his son, the greatest day for mankind. You see, the Bible you possess is not just a book. It is God's revelation of Himself. He knows the end from the beginning. It's inerrant, it's infallible. It's God's love letter to a sinful world. We have more manuscript evidence than any 10 pieces of classical literature. Those of you who are in university will know this. A.T. Robertson, New Testament Greek scholar, declared the following. We have 8,000 manuscripts of Latin Vulgates, 1,000 earlier versions, 4,000 Greek manuscripts, 13,000 portions. Most, if not all, of the New Testament can be reproduced from the early church writers apart from these manuscripts. Warfield and Philip Schaff or Skoll both declare that the word has been transmitted to us virtually next to no variations. Each misspelled word, you must understand some of your footnotes in your Bibles because uh, Christians aren't on us either today. When your footnotes say to the writer of your Bible, it says, this is not found in the best of manuscripts. They're talking about the Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, which they believe are the best, which they are not. But they're only talking about two Alexandrian texts. At the most, they may consider one other one three. So they should say, this is not found in two that are believed to be the most recent, but they all should accompany that footnote and say, "But this is found in five thousand other ones." Okay, and on your footnote on the side, it might say, uh, "This this text has three thousand errors." Well, they're talking about that. If there's three thousand manuscripts, this particular text is found in every one of them. It's one mistake found 3,000 times because there's 3,000 texts. Compared to other authors of the past, to substantiate something as genuine and true, the scriptures went hand down. The Bible was written in the latter part of the first century, as you know. So the very same century, 30, 40 years after crucifixion. The seven plays of Sophocles are accounted as authentic texts in every university. Yet the manuscripts are 1,400 years after his death. Seven compared to 5,000. Next generation compared to 1,400 years. They're never doubted. History of Thucydides, 460 to 400 B.C., is known by eight manuscripts, the earliest, 900 A.D. History of Herodotus, 488 to 428 BC. No one doubts them. Yet, the earliest manuscripts we have are 1,300 years later. Seven manuscripts, eight manuscripts. Amazing. There is no comparison to the Bible. The evidence is given regarding Jesus Christ as being God, the Savior of the world, it cannot be denied. But a person has a right to reject it and disbelieve it. And God honors your choice. It breaks his heart, but he won't force you to go to heaven. Your, your choice to go to hell is your own. And though it breaks God's heart, he won't stop you against your will. Numbers twenty three nineteen says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said... And will he not do it? Or has he spoken? Will he not make it good? There are two rhetorical questions with the obvious answer. Yes. He can't lie. And yes, he will fulfill it. The day was prepared for the clear fulfillment of prophecy. The angels rejoiced, as we'll see. The third important truth is the day was prepared for reminding man of the need of salvation from that point on. The message has never changed. Religions change. You might have come out of a religion. I came out of Catholicism. Catholicism has always changed in the different edicts. You know, I, I, when I was a kid, you couldn't eat meat on Friday. Now you can. Well, what, what, what happened? Um, I mean, religions always change. The Bible has never changed. It's true and consistent. It's, mar- it's a mark of truth. God was the initiator in revealing to Adam his sin, that he was lost. Where are you? There's a faithful father, a faithful parent, confronting his child out of love. He sought to cover his outwardness, but his sin was inward. And so man tries to cover by deeds and by different things, and he says, I'm okay. God says, you're really not okay. And he he, any Pursues me all my life until I give my last breath. Because God's not willing that any should perish. He attempted to justify himself due to his fear of being naked. See something had changed. And you and I begin with a conscience, but then we start messing up, we start growing up, and something has changed. He sought to blame his wife for his sin. Welcome to humanity. <laughs> If you have at least two kids, you see that every day. (laughs) God was the initiator in revealing to Noah the sin of the world. In Genesis 6, he proclaimed the judgment to come despite of the unbelief because it had never rained. So because it had never rained and God said it was going to rain, it was going to flood the whole world, so that that dismissed the, the validity of the message, judgment was still coming and it came. Now, he gave 100 years for repentance in spite of the unbelief. Only eight got in the boat. Now, Jesus said it'll be like the days of Noah before his return. The way to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, is not crowded. If you're bumping elbows, I've told you before, on the way to heaven, you're on the wrong road. There's hardly anybody on the road to heaven. It's not crowded at all. You may call yourself a Christian. But the evidence you're a Christian is that you align yourself with the Word of God, not your culture, not your religion, not your opinion, but the Word of God. Even as if I drop a plumb line, the plumb line will tell me if the wall's crooked or it's straight. The plumb line's never crooked It's the wall is crooked. I can say, "Well, that plumb line is just—it must be defective." Let me go get another one. He made one way of salvation, that ark. God was the initiator in revealing the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah to Abraham in Genesis 18. He's called a friend of God. The warning was given. It wasn't believed. Angels carried Lot out and his wife and his daughters. His wife turns back, turns to peel her salt. Judgment came. But judgment never comes without warning. Always. God was the initiator in revealing the sin to Israel. Through the prophets, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom first went into captivity, 722. They had a time of prosperity, time of bad time but judgment was coming. The southern kingdom didn't learn from the northern kingdom. They went into captivity, 606, 596, 586. They were having prosperous time, but judgment was coming. So the fact that judgment is coming has nothing to do with whether we're prosperous now or having a difficult time. Judgment is coming. And either you accept the Son of God as a sacrifice for your sin, or you will stand before God for your own sins. It's a choice that we make. That's why this is the greatest day, the day of his birth. God initiated and sent John the Baptist to reveal the sinful state of every man and their need of repentance in Matthew chapter 3. The message was repentance. The arrival of the kingdom of God. And it was mainly pointed against the religious rulers. Those who were supposed to point people to God. But they had deviated from God. And they were stopping people from entering the kingdom of God. And they went from a relationship to a religion. Religion is not a step towards God, ladies and gentlemen. Religion is a step away from God. Creating God in your own image. In your own likeness. And then saying that God has to honor your philosophy of life. It's backwards. God initiated and sent his only begotten son to die for the world. He excluded no one. John three sixteen. you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a message of love. His motive is love. The gift is his son. The offer is eternal life. By the forgiveness of sins. There is no other way. God initiated and continues to send preachers to preach the gospel ever since that day. And those that are faithful preach. Paul preached Jesus Christ, no other. Wesley preached repentance and Jesus Christ, no other. Luther preached repentance and Jesus Christ, Protestant Reformation, no other. I have been preaching Jesus Christ crucified in repentance and no other for 38 years. There is no other. To alter it is to go against God. And I would rather go against man any day than against God. He came as a baby, conceived of the Holy Spirit to save his people from their sins, Matthew 1, 20 and 21 tells us. His birth was announced by the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Luke two fourteen. Greatest day. Man could be redeemed, forgiven, and made one with God by his son. The wise men said, where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Wise men still seek him. Fools reject him. And it happens every day, every week, every month, every decade, every century, until he comes back. The distance between the Earth and the Moon is approximately 239,000 miles. It takes 27.3 days for the Moon to make a complete full revolution around the Earth, and it takes exactly the same time for the moon to spin once on its own axis. This means that the moon remains at a standstill in relationship to the Earth's movement so that it always presents the same face to the Earth. On Christmas 1968, astronaut Frank Borman, William Anders, and James Lovell Became the first men to see for their own and with their own eyes the hidden side of the moon. So impressed were they about God's creation that they read Genesis 1 from there. They didn't say, and Darwin was right, it's evolution. <laughs> These guys were astronauts, scientists, smart people but men of faith, common sense. In the very same way, God wanted to reveal to you his son who has been hidden from you due to the darkness of your own sin in order that you be impressed by hearing and believing the gospel message of the free gift of his son for your salvation. The ball's in your court. God says that when the gospel goes forth, he allows you to understand. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but he will not make the choice for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you know exactly who Jesus is through these words. You have God's word on it. Now you're responsible for the gospel. He is God who became man, died for your sins. And if you believe that you are in rebellion against God and sinful, you can call upon Him and be saved. God has done everything necessary for your salvation. By sending His Son to the earth, He became man at a set time for a set purpose. God has done everything for the forgiveness of your sins through that birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The cross judges your sin. The resurrection... Confirm your forgiveness if you will agree with God. The affirmation is unmistakable. Now, God, having done everything for your salvation, is waiting for you to respond to the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you tell God, I'm good enough? Or will you agree with God that you're good for nothing? Those are the only two answers that really are viable. The one will put you in favor with God. Casting yourself upon him, his grace and his mercy, and he will forgive you and make a new creature of you. The other will honor your choice and hold you responsible for your own sinful life when you die. But make no mistake, the choice is yours. God has never sent one person to hell, but he offers heaven to everybody. And so, our prayer is that you might open your heart The day was prepared for the constant reminder of man's need of salvation. This is your reminder. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the second time. Maybe it's the third time. Maybe it's the last time. I don't know. But here you are. You have to make a choice one way or the other. And no choice is a choice in itself. You've chosen not to choose. Either way, we're busted. Can't get away from it. And so remember these three important truths about this great day when Jesus was born. The day was prepared for the salvation of man, the day was prepared to fulfill prophecy, and the day was prepared to constantly remind man of his need for salvation. This day is yours. What will you choose?
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, closing by summarizing three important simple truths of Christmas that I provided man with everything necessary for salvation, except for the decision of whether or not we will in fact receive it. Now today's message, titled The Greatest Gift, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Greatest Gift, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485 Again that's 800-926-1485 Or the address once again is Simple Truths 2200 East Colorado Boulevard Pasadena California 91107 And on behalf of all of us at Simple Truths, Calvary Chapel Pasadena and Pastor Xavier Reese, may God bless you and yours with a warm and very Merry Christmas as you celebrate the birth of the Son and Savior, Jesus Christ.